0: Thanks for tuning in to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio, the podcast for the left, from the lumpen and from the lumpen to the left. In this episode, I'm going to be doing the first episode on talking with comrades. We just come on, we have a general chat, there wasn't much structure. We talk for an hour about what was the Banana Wars, we talk about history, we talk about life, we talk about the future, we talk about the past. It's a general good episode and I'd just like to say rest in peace to me Nan Bird who passed away very recently with the coronavirus this shit is no joke people is <laughs> wash your hands clean you know just don't even go to work i've said it online i've said it on twitter it's, it's no fucking joke it like take fucking precautions last time you can see anybody could be the last time for good so for the love of god go out speak and love respect people i mean god damn it we we don't know when we're gonna go Life is precious. And that being said, I'm going to go into the episode with Gareth. Thank you very much, Gareth, for joining us on Revolutionary Lumpen Radio. You're actually our first guest on a series called Communicating with Comrades. So, welcome and thank you for sparing the time as well as actually formulating this discussion on a topic that. I wasn't actually very well landed. It's worth mentioning that we connected through our subreddit, Late Stage Imperialism, and we're making full use of our potential to engage and spread class consciousness in the form of vocally speaking through a podcast.
1: Hi, my name is Garrett, and I'm from Georgia. Yes, it's great to be here. I have browsed slash late stage imperialism for a pretty long time guys have really uh, kept a, a good moderation and anti-capitalism raise <laughs> fuel like uh, whenever i'm just bored i just go on there look up the top posts of all time
0: awesome yeah, me too. I really enjoy it because of course it's not just me. It's not just Ryan. It's everybody who contributes to that subreddit, who upvotes, who comments. The comments are the best bits. It's the community that's being built. It's what, 24,000 going on 25,000 members now. It's a community of people who are from all across the globe. It's so very interesting. And I'm, I'm so happy that I, that I created it, really. Yeah, we exist in a place of liberalism. I mean, we come in contact with them and the opposers and, you know, everybody's got their own different ideologies and their own opinions on various political topics and material realities. But, you know, we try and have a fine line of anti-imperialism that cannot be shaked and will not be interrupted by, you know, in the form of, electoral politics
1: so i wanted to this kind of segues me into my next point i wanted to say that my introduction to like communism uh leftist ideologies was through memes like most of my generation uh has grown up uh humming the soviet anthem or saying haha communism no food and, <laughs> and like yeah that's like sort of the thing and like yeah as i started to delve into reddit I was like, hmm, maybe communism actually has food or something. <laughs> and, like, I slowly went down further and further. And um, and now I um am so much aware than what I was a couple months ago because of, like, all the great leftist subreddits.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's important that we absolutely, as left, I, I'm not even going to say leftist because I don't agree with that term, but as principled communists... Yeah that we do make a stand in these platforms, these bourgeois platforms. Reddit, of course, does not exist to serve communists. It does not exist to serve the left movement. Um, yet we are there. We counter their cultural hegemony wherever we can on every single platform, including iTunes podcasts, which you may be listening to now. It's important that we absolutely spread truth as opposed to their... Their lies <laughs> that benefit them, and you you mentioned that earlier on when you are talking about him, um, the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos owns it, pushes that narrative. The New York Times they have their own narrative, bourgeois narrative. I mean, just imagine what would happen if a communist was to have their own little section in that newspaper. It's it's important to to really reach out wherever we can and spread like on bacteria. So that we really get in people's faces, memes and building communities is one part of that, and it's and it's, be- it's so beautiful that I've met you and we're talking about a subject right now to really broaden the, the discussion and defend our beliefs in why socialism, why communism. We've all heard the phrase "banana Republic" used from various bourgeois media outlets and sources. But I've never actually made the connection as to like what a banana republic is or where it actually came from. So again I must thank Hugh Garrett um, for bringing this subject up for both me and our listeners. So that together we can discuss and explain exactly what is a banana republic or what are the banana wars. Before diving into a discussion on that history. I think it's wise to share with our listeners who you are, what brought you into being a comrade, you know, what brought about your political development in general, to give us a good understanding of who you are and who we're speaking to here.
1: Oh, I grew up in a Democrat household and we were always uh, anti-Trump. And like until about 2015, I wasn't very aware of like political stuff. And throughout, through all, like, the newspaper stuff that I was reading, I could understand that Donald Trump was a really bad person. And when he won in 2016, I was just like, okay, it doesn't really affect me. As it slowly went along and I finally got a phone and stuff, I started browsing and I realized, like, how much harm this was doing, like, the anti-Semitism Mass shootings, the horrible immigration policies, child separation, all that stuff, how it was like affecting society and like what I read and stuff. And I normally I wasn't really a big reddit browser until about 2018 and then 2019 was when I uh, started actually getting political on Reddit um, because I found out about Andrew Yang's campaign. And I'm really excited about the $1,000 a month idea and like how he was sort of the middle ground between like moderates and progressives. After he dropped out, um, that's when I really started diving uh, far left. I said, well, it looks like I'm gonna have to support Bernie now. So I did that and I started getting recommended all these different subreddits once I subscribed to all the Bernie Sanders subreddits as well.
0: That's so very interesting because for myself, again, I mentioned earlier that I'm against electoral politics. I actually outright. Don't allow it on the subreddit. If I see somebody like supporting a Democratic candidate such as Bernie Sanders or Yang, I will remove that comment because I don't see late stage imperialism as a platform for free advertisements for these bourgeois politicians. But I mean, for you to actually tell me your story and how your political consciousness and your class consciousness was risen through their actions and push you to to the left so that you're speaking to a downright Marxist-Leninist right now Um, is so very interesting. And I really, you know, I'm actually quite amazed, frankly, and it's gone beyond my own understanding of how important uh, some of these candidates are in, in the electoral system. So thank you very much for sharing that. That's really interesting.
1: One more thing I wanted to share. Uh, The reason I also started to get into, like, uh, politics and stuff was this existential dread I kept felting of, um, like, if my dream job fails, which um, I'd like to design video games and stuff someday. uh, If my dream job fails, I'll probably be forced to work at McDonald's or, like, some other big fast food chain just earning $77.75 every hour, and it would be terrible. And, like, I know I don't really have that much of a voice, but at least I have something. Yeah. And also sort of encouragement, like the existential dread of just becoming a wage slave.
0: Oh, my heart really does go out to you, solidarity to your brother. I've worked in KFC, so that's not far off from McDonald's. What gets you through them shifts? It's the people who you work with. They become, you know, your friends, your colleagues and, you know literally your life because as a wage slave you spend all your time there I don't want to just fill you with dread and painting an accurate depiction of what it's like to be a wage slave there but you know that is a reality and I really do hope that you get to follow your dream to develop video games you're quite young now you have so much potential I really do hope that you concentrate and you push for that I've made too many mistakes in my life to get anywhere but wage slavery. So, you know, that. <laughs> I, I hope that um, that support can at least help you get in the right direction there and not make as many mistakes as I did because they're so easy to make. They're too easy to make. And a class-structured society definitely doesn't help when it comes to where you want to be in life.
1: Hello to the developers of Disco Elysium. Because they have a portrait of Karl Marx in their office and stuff. And I believe they also shouted, I think they might have, I don't really remember. But they might have shouted Karl Marx out at um, Game Awards. So yeah, a lot, because, of, uh, a lot of leftists really like them. I have to look up the name of them.
0: Awesome. Yeah, no, you can definitely do that. We all have that potential. You just simply got to just keep going out and trying to get it. Thank you very much for opening up, by the way, and and telling me so much about your personal life. It is very interesting. Of course, I'm a comrade. You can speak to me about anything at any time. From now on, I'm going off script now. I'm just talking to you as a person. I just want to say thanks for that. So, moving back on to script.
1: I consider myself a very uh, open person.
0: Yeah, me too. It's what you've got to be. I mean, we as people are empathetic, communicating, people (laughs) it's how we exist through communication and um, we're not bourgeoisie we don't lie we tell the truth we paint an accurate picture of what has happened and what we think will happen and that's called history and then we build history each and every single one of us builds history we carry history with us every single action we do every single thing we move is changing history that's historical materialism. That's so very important. Don't let them take the power away from us. It's us. It's us the people. It's us the masses who are moving history forward. Yeah. So are we ready to get started? Yeah, we'll we'll eventually get onto the topic here. So what made you want to talk about the Banana Wars? Where did you hear about it and why is it significant to you?
1: Well, this was before I got any into like politics or anything like that. Was this game theory video on uh, Donkey Kong mentioned uh, the bana- like that? The game was about the banana wars, and that sort of stayed in my head for a while. Left my head because we never talked about it in school or anything, and like combination of a it's too short to spend like a chapter on, or b. Like, we gotta cover it up somehow. Like, we can't let the kiddies know that we were murdering people in the Bahamas and uh, Latin America. But, like, I sort of have a penchant for obscure conflicts, even though I despise them. Because, like, my family, although although they're they're not really, like, gun advocates or anything like that, they really like to watch uh, World War Two movies and stuff like that. Mm. So, like, that sort of gets annoying after a while. So, like... I sort of became attracted to the history of the Korean War or um, any other smaller conflicts that happened. And the Banana Wars was one of the most interesting conflicts because it was during a period where the United States was slowly becoming more of an empire, and it still is today. And uh, this was like uh, the Spanish-American War just happened that was another one i forgot to mention uh the spanish-american war is pretty interesting because it was pretty much just fought over an entire fucking false flag um i went to go i actually got to go see uh, a piece of the main in a museum and stuff and uh, my friends were joking about let's just blame the main on spain or something it was such a it was an interesting topic to me because like history books never covered it or anything yeah it was such a drastically different conflict from what the united states has been involved before because it's really like like uh broad today corporate interests weren't a big part of the wars that were fought back in the uh 19th and 18th century it was like the evolving of society but that was sort of like one of the things where it was not even close to that it was just we want money and stuff
0: yeah so i'm gonna go dive into a bit of the historical context on the banana wars because this is a period of history like you mentioned that is just I mean, the Banana Wars is pretty much still going on now. It started at the very inception of US imperialism. Uh, But again, it's the epitome of, of US imperialism. I mean, you've written a paper on it or something in school. But I mean, you could talk about it for days. You could talk about it for years, probably. I mean, of course you can, because it goes back to like the 1800s
1: we actually we sort of also resisted um the US in another way um uh, me and my partner decided to do funky uh CIA experiments that happened and got into some pretty weird ones like it was fucked up like one of the ones was uh spoon feeding radioactive oatmeal to disabled kids what and I can literally, uh, I have, like, the papers on it, but, like, I don't want to get too off topic. But, like, it got, it wasn't just MKUltra, because that's, like, sort of the big one that everybody likes to talk about. It's also, like, Project Sunshine, where they were stealing corpses from all over the world. Uh
0: yeah. You're talking about, I mean, I, I've seen stories where, you know, loved ones who had funerals to, to go to, um you know, had passed away, they were supposed to be buried, but the bodies were missing. It turns out that the US military was using them to shoot at them or blow them up and just basically test ballistics on them. Um, And this is somebody's loved one. It's, uh, I mean, uh, where can you start with the absolutely grotesque, inhumane nature of um, the US military and its leaders? Uh Another
1: thing about uh, memes as well, because like, Some of my favorite memes to sort of, like, I don't know, expose my friends to are, like, the memes that are, like, you're not a Harry Potter fan if you know this fact, and then it digresses into how the U.S. bombed a hospital in Afghanistan, (laughs) or, like... How I saw another one the other day, I have to pull it up. Those kind of memes were just sort of like details, the atrocities committed. I think I can find it in time, but it was like a JoJo character saying like, oh, did you know the US committed this atrocity and stuff? and it's like some really funny stuff to look at.
0: Yeah, that goes back to what you said earlier, where as working class people, we have to supplement our learning because the state will not provide it for us. We have to go out and we have to learn our own history. Our own history is alienated from us just in the same way that our labor is alienated from us in the workplace. This is how capitalism works. It splits up every single thing it can in order to make any kind of profit. (laughs) so and the last thing it wants to to do is let the truth go out
1: it was about the torture of the lebanese prisoners by that person that just got extradited uh like it was talking about how they put them in this cage they smeared fecal matter on their faces it was horrible yeah and like they got away with only like six years or something it's like it gives you this sort of empowerment through oh it's pretty funny how they baited us or and also like wow this is horrifying I have to do something about this and like that's why I think memes are the most effective tool because they can really intrinsically combine uh, humor with uh, class consciousness yeah,
0: absolutely. They certainly have a role to play on these platform spaces which otherwise would be absolutely littered by liberals and bourgeois alike to spread their liberal ideology. And we have to counter that wherever we can. And I don't know who makes all of these memes up, but the absolute geniuses. well done to you if you're out there creating <laughs> sublime memes, <laughs> spreading class consciousness, power I- to you. But um, what we're talking about here is the results of the spreading of the cancer that is the United States and how the United States was able to grow to its size and its scale was through the exploitation, the thievery, the brutality, the murder, the pillaging of resources, of minerals, imperialism from countries such as Canada in eighteen twelve, the United States invaded Canada in eighteen ninety six. Of course, the United States had a war with Mexico in eighteen fifty three. The United States was currently <laughs> bullying Japan with the form of you know technology, weapons, firearms to threaten them to trade.
1: The he- meme that sort of opened up everybody to like how uh, Japan was threatened by the United States was a video by a uh, Bill Wertz. Who made that history of the entire world video that was popular uh, a few years back? That was like, um. Knock, knock. It's the United States with huge boats
0: with guns. Gunboats. Open the country. Stop having it
1: be closed, said the United States. There was really nothing they could do, so they signed a contract that lets the United States, Britain, and Russia visit Japan anytime they want. And, like, that sort of became a catchphrase within the Bill Words community. <laughs>
0: Awesome. So yeah, it contextualizes history in the form of like you say. You're just not gonna find it in your textbooks in school. So you know you're pretty. I mean, I don't know. Maybe people. Maybe the government should be paying us f- for education because that's what we're doing. We're, we're literally educating people here with their uh, actual facts and history. And that's what that, that that's what being a flipping communist is all about. It's about studying history so that we know where we are today and where we're going and it's literally as simple as that and unfortunately the history that has been left behind us is absolutely brutal and savage and it's almost mind bewildering how the masses were able to take part in you know in this exploitation of other human beings it's unreal
1: i mean you, that you uh, used a uh, history left behind oh forgot it's like When you take a look back at it, you're wondering, how could this have been forgotten? Mm. It's, it's,
0: It's messed up. The Maya that is brutal US imperialism in the form of the Banana Wars. But like we say, we're talking about history and it's a learning process. So in 1898, the US lied in accusing Spain of sinking a battleship. This really brought about the US-Spanish War, which you mentioned. You know, they did that back then in order to justify war with Spain, territorial expansion and resource exploitation, to really take over the colonies of Spain, which at the time was pulling out of Latin America. You can think of all these colonial powers... You know, really moving out of the Western Hemisphere and going back to Europe. Spain really shrunk. They lost a lot of colonies, just as, you know, many colonial empires did at the time. But the lies in order to justify war. I mean, what we're doing here, yeah, is we're looking at history and we're looking at what's going on today. And it's no different. It's the same process. It's the same class structure, society. It's the same imperialism. It's the same bourgeois bullshit that they're using us to impose on other people. So just as they lied about the sinking of a battleship, you can think about how they lie in, you know, in instances such as Iraq having weapons of mass destruction, you know, Assad or Iran... Using chemical weapons on a daily basis, you know, lies about Hugo Chavez being a dictator, Fidel being a dictator, all these lies are always used to justify war. And we have to literally, I've got to sit here with my comrade and tell you that this is bullshit. <laughs> so, in the hope that other people actually switch on and recognize the hypocrisy that's going on. And uh, we're talking about something that happened in. 1898 like how many years is this going to go on for this same hypocrisy how long are we going to tolerate this nonsense it is nonsense
1: there's a really good book that opened up my eyes to the horrors of u.s imperialism and um it might be pro-us i don't really remember it that much but i just remember it was a really good book about war and the united states consequences that it had on the middle east sunrise over fallujah and uh it's really good it's about this uh, off uh, like person in the u.s army that isn't like a person in combat but he uh is sort of like a civil relations person and he's like talking with all these people about all the shit that the united states is- did while they were there it was a really good book and uh, i read that when i was like in seventh grade wow and then like yeah, that's when I started reading the news more, because I remember, like, this is a long time ago, but I remember when I was in the car, and my dad would always have, like, public radio on, and it would be talking about Iraq or Afghanistan or something. I didn't really understand it, and, like, today where I am, and I, like, understand these conflicts that have literally been going on since I was born. It's just, like, horrifying.
0: Yeah, conflicts, artificial, (laughs) for profit, for exploitation of minerals, resources, bananas. (laughs) No, it's it's that silly. It's wrong of me to even use the term silly because people's lives are being taken. People are suffering. People are being tortured for the exploitation of these resources.
1: Talk about like current going on banana wars with like Coca-Cola hiring death squads in Colombia and stuff
0: exactly it's no different it really is no different and that's the beauty of historical materialism we take history we use the material facts and of course people are history and the materials are the forms of bottles and machinery that coca-cola used to make these from industrial empires. oils Just as these business owners of banana companies would call upon the US government to support them whenever what is it, Honduras or Nicaragua or Ecuador or whoever it is in Latin America would actually revolt against this wage slavery and this imposed class-structured society and really this imposition of their way of life. You know, no four simple things. It's absurd concept, business. but of it's, course, it's not really in practice. Absurd. Just look at Bolivia. Tesla industry is essentially the new United Fruit Company when it comes to Bolivia's exploitation for their lithium. You know, Venezuela for their oil. It's really no different. So, let's just um, paint paint the truth here that the US was never isolationist. You heard about the US before World War II being isolationist. I mean, if you look at the history, the US was never isolationist, but rather it avoided the cesspool, especially at the time that we're talking in the 1800s.
1: That's the sort of thing. That might have been when they take took this out of history books and sort of left in the Spanish-American War because, like, have one conflict and go isolationist then you can like deceive the masses that, oh yeah, that kind of sounds reasonable. But if you have two conflicts and you try to say you're isolationist, mm, it doesn't really pass well. (laughs) It
0: benefits them at that point because obviously if you're growing up in the United States and you're hearing about the US-Spanish war, well, you're thinking, but Spain is on the other side of the world In in Europe they're imposing... On, on us, we're just simply here, and Spain are, are the ones coming over doing the colonize, and we're doing nothing wrong. But it wasn't like that at all. The United States wanted to dominate Latin America. The United States sees Latin America as its own backyard, um, and it sees it as its own backyard to this day. And that was the whole point, and why but they didn't they Do actually start a war about with it, Spain and and the mouth food company. As you said, it was a false flag operation to get them out of. you know, the Western Hemisphere, which in turn was a front to European powers to show them that the Western Hemisphere is ours, you stay over in Europe, That so the United States would be isolationist, but only in the sense that it doesn't meddle in European territories or even so much as, as Africa, which of course, European powers were quite happy because they would fight amongst themselves over these territories, over Africa, over you know, the Middle East and Europe at the time. I mean, it's just the epitome of vulgar racism and bullying, frankly. So, what happened during this time was Latin America became a battleground in what's known as the Banana Wars. The Banana Wars is literally wars fought over the extrapolation and exploitation over the trading of bananas. Liberal capitalists used the term Banana Republic even to this very day, which is defined as a politically unstable country with an economy dependent on the exportation of limited resources or minerals. This is from a 1901 text to describe places such as Honduras and neighboring countries under economic exploitation by US corporations such as the United yeah, Food Company. Wanted to talk and about what was it?
1: To Chiquita. Interest in uh, leftist politics was with the coup in Bolivia. As I digged more into the news, that they didn't share was that like they were gonna nationalize their supply of lithium, and then all of a sudden they have this coup with a president that seemed pretty reasonable with his uh, indigenous background, and then on the same day as like the coup with uh, Bolivia happened, Tesla stocks rose. Yeah, shut up. They- To exploit Bolivia for their lithium That was like One of my aha moments Of like realizing What was really going on Behind the scenes
0: Yeah absolutely Going back to the United Fruit Company (laughs) uh, and, And we'll eventually lead up to today The United Fruit Company Is essentially like Left behind from US colonialism You know rarely replacing Direct military control uh, until these exploited nations eventually rebelled against the occupations and the exploitation by the vicious companies to which the bourgeoisie you know, masters behind these companies would always go crying to the bourgeois US government to stop the uprising or the liberations from colonial capitalism so What happened, of course, is Marines are sent to these places all across Latin America, such as Panama, Haiti, Cuba, Nicaragua, Honduras, and Mexico. You know, Theodore Roosevelt at the time would actually send his Buffalo soldiers to these nations, and you know he'd use the Buffalo soldiers and the Marines, Chinese uprisings to to crush anybody who opposed this class structure society that they imposed on on the goddamn people they're going over there and whatever culture and history and heritage and traditions they had they're going over there and they're saying look we need bananas we need this resource we need this mineral you're going to work for us this is how we do things this is how we work and then they'd impose that on them and of course these people are Definitely not white because, of course, that's just how the skin pigmentation works um, depending on your flipping where you are in the world. So, you know, there was always racism to justify this absolutely brutal murders of, of, of people who would rebel and oppose this. I mean, at the time, Theodore Roosevelt would use languages such as spreading democracy and American ideals to these backwards civilizations and backwards places. And I mean, we're talking the eighteen hundreds, and this is the same rhetoric. It's the same language that they're using to the same very day. It's absurd. That, honest to God, like how how many times has history got to repeat itself? The people are getting weaker. The bourgeois are getting stronger. Oh, it's heartbreaking.
1: That's sad because like with the rise of nationalism, we're in the middle of like a exponentially growing crisis. By the way, make sure to wash your hands and stuff. nationalism keeps pulling us apart. And we keep on throwing blames on us like when Trump uses... It's not only a Chinese virus now, it's a global problem. Yes, there were things with people coming in and out of China and spreading it to the rest of the globe, but it'll, but like the main spread the spreaders that we had weren't coming exactly from China. They were coming from other. It's really harmful to the sort of unity that we need right now.
0: Most definitely. And you're speaking the truth and we're spreading the truth. And that's something that you never had back then in these times, uh, just to kind of stay on topic, it's absolutely right what you're saying. We need to talk about the coronavirus because at the moment, the UK is in lockdown. It's an absurd situation where people are behaving like it's a zombie apocalypse. I, I, I've yeah, heard be... crazy stories. I actually work and retail myself. I've seen it.
1: Toilet paper. Like, out of all the things people would buy to uh, stockpile for this sort of thing, it's toilet paper. Um, i found this video on twitter of like a security cam of people coming in and buying toilet paper with the king of the hill theme posted over it and it was uh, pretty funny
0: <laughs> so so um basically what we're talking about is the united states in the early 19th to 20th century participated in interventions of how these countries so at least seven countries operated in the time over latin america and the caribbean
1: um it says right here uh, at the same time the growth of investment opportunities in western europe had slowed most of the factories railroads and mines that europe's economy needed had been built increasingly europeans began to look overseas for places to invest their capital they started to invest industries located in this other countries, particularly no t- in Africa uh, Asia. Just,
0: you read in the textbook, it talks about exporting capital, but what is capital? If you read and you learn what capital is, then it will tell you And to read and learn what capital is. Well, you have to read Karl Marx. Karl Marx really does tell you what capital is and what capital capitalism is it's no joke it breaks it down economically and this talks about it freely like it's free but of course capital is our labor it's the force behind us us our species it's all the exploitation and the surplus value on top that makes the world as shit as it is that is capital who owns the capital where well, you can own certain amounts depending on how much money you've got and this is stocks and that's the editor's note over i'm gonna dive back into the episode head first let's go
1: the thing that really uh tripped my trigger here was the use of invest. When in actuality they were pillaging these countries, that's why we have the rape of Africa.
0: Absolutely, well said, comrade. And and we're talking about a bourgeois rhetoric. I think much of the English language <laughs> was was made to simply, you know, cover over just how dirty and disgusting our behaviours are, uh, and, and it actually leads up quite nicely to my next point here because. When they talk about these locals standing up for themselves, um, in which which did happen all the time over Latin America over, over these times, which of course Theodore Roosevelt and other leaders would send marines to, to go and break up these resistances. The people in the United States they never really got to see this. They never really they never had Facebook. They never had Twitter. They never had Reddit to expose them of of what was going on abroad. Uh, I mean, people just say. thought that that's just how
1: it is. Where The reason we call the 1918 influenza pandemic, the Spanish flu, is because Spain was the first to report the numbers, and like, a lot of people are using that as a defense to use Chinese virus, um, but in actuality, wow. the virus didn't start, they were just the first one to report the numbers. Uh, because journalism was being suppressed uh, during World War One.
0: Wow, uh, <laughs> that's really incredible observation that you've made there. I I didn't know that at all. Is that is that true? The the Spanish were the first to report it, so they called it the Spanish flu. And now that China was My the first to report it. they called it the Chinese flu. No way. <laughs> The parallels are unreal. So, I mean, what what's, what we should really bring out of this conversation is the fact that this is not a way of life. and um, This is not just how things work. This is not just how the world works. This is all caused by systematic genocide and imperialism. You know, you mentioned earlier that they're like, oh, we had to do all of this, we had to display, I mean, all of this, we've said all of this, but we're like, we're not even talking about joining this whole time. The United States is constantly displacing Native Americans. They're constantly doing it to this very day, it's absurd.
1: The history book, uh, from as I'm following right here, talks about proctorates and says uh, specifically uh, it allowed local rulers to stay in control and protected them against rebellions and invasions, which was basically just surrogate control over the country and stopping any uh, uprising that might happen uh, because they're probably going to get mistreated with uh, feelings and uh, fervorment of white supremacy high during this time period.
0: Absolutely. Um You know, there's protectorates and they're not, uh, they're they're not like um, totally colonized and conquered places. Just like, I I kind of skipped over this, but after the United States beat Spain in in the Spanish War, they actually captured Guam, pushed them, they pushed them out of Cuba. Puerto Rico is another one.
1: uh, During Hurricane Maria, uh, Puerto Rico, which is a US territory has no support in uh both houses of congress so like their message was incre like very hard to get out to like the public or like get law action um yeah it was sort of it was really sad Oh, seeing uh that like they were so cut off and like they shouldn't really like it's so sad to see that we're still holding on to these territories today. think yeah. these people perfectly fine as their own country, but they still have this feeling that they're part of the United States when they're really not. They're literally just like a trophy from a war that happened over 100 years ago.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> they are a trophy where the people are definitely not respected as actual american citizens because they're not connected to the mainland continent i'm pretty sure that the puerto ricans have being tested upon by like radioactive tests by like i don't know some kind of some something that made the women infertile they tested all kinds of viruses in the past o- on these islands it's really a- absurd shit <laughs> Um, they've got no respect for the people even to this very day of those islands. And, you know, Cuba is another one where to this very day they're occupying Guantanamo Bay and they're not going to give it up. It's just, it is a, a testament to the trophies that you're talking about and they're definitely proud of this systematic slavery and genocide and this this past that we need to just leave behind because it's primitive, I think that just like, you know, Romans saw barbarians existing and they would wipe them out, I think we today as socialists need to recognise us as the civilised ones and capitalist liberals as the barbarians today that need to be wiped out, there's no question about it, the primitive We are civilised, we want to become more, we need to become advanced, we need to become a developed society and, I mean, socialism is literally half of the word is society, so, you know do we want to be primitive all lies and keep repeating history or do we want to flip and stand up for ourselves and stand up for other people and not actually talk about the exact same things in another hundred years? Cause we haven't even got a hundred years on this planet cause they're destroying the planet.
1: Uh, so, um, just going a quick back, it says here that in 1936, they had a law for forced sterilization. Yeah. So, um, like, These territories that the United States has been still keeping on, they're just using them to build military bases. And, like, that's another thing, like, we we beat the world's strongest military 12 times over. Like, we do not need this gigantic military force. We have so much overspending and stuff like that. And people are constantly asking, how are we going to pay for universal healthcare. how are we going to pay for college education for everybody how are we going to pay for it it's just sad to see how much money we're spending to kill other people instead of using it to like further society
0: yeah i mean i've had the quote on one of my podcasts previously but you know these missiles and these smart technology used to to bomb people halfway across the world they should definitely be instead of loaded with explosives they should be loaded with food we should be shooting food the hungry people it's no joke These, this is what technology should be for for, for empowering the people it is giving power to the people and the people need energy to do that and food is energy we need to really grow intellectually physically we have to just grow from this again barbarism it's, it's becoming an absurdity and we are moving on now towards the end because we're actually coming up to where we are in history today. We've talked about, you know, we've given historical context and, you know, I really wanted to bring out the fact that what we're talking about, while you can picture in your mind people are getting shot, people are getting cut up, people are getting the heads chopped off, people are getting put on stakes, people are getting burnt, I mean, this is, we're talking about periods in time where women were like, burnt alive and accused of being witches, (laughs) we're talking about the KKK, we're talking about just oh my god, genocide, picture that in your mind, these aren't just words that we're talking about, we're talking about people's lives lost, we're talking about history lost, we're talking about a future that was broken and taken away, communism killing 100 million people, well capitalism doesn't even let the people be born to be killed they just simply force infertilization or however you say it, you know what I'm saying it's it's really grim, gruesome stuff and for you comrade to be in school writing about this and taking upon yourself to it's it's an emotional burden to really learn about all this and your history because you have to have empathy to even want to do that and that's the problem with liberals they don't want to empathize because i mean if you do empathize then you start to care and if you do care about other people then you are going to look around, you got to be pretty heartbroken with what you see. So again, solidarity to you, power to you, it It's important for you and everybody else to, you know, learn history and reach out to comrades and get support wherever you can. So again, you've got to give yourself a pat on your back. You've got to feel the power. I'm with you. The comrades all around the world are with you.
1: I'd probably be out there, like, doing the stuff that you mentioned to me. You like know, all should the be here just interjecting there.
0: People. Of course, I've got to give that a proper response. I just want to say thank you again, Gareth. That was so kind of you. And you will actually, and hopefully, other people who are listening are going to grow up and you will meet people with like-minded ideals and you'll set up stores and you will be in public and you'll share these ideas and with other people in your community and that's what it's about it's about spreading class consciousness that's a part yeah, of it now to dive back in
1: um that you were talking about while we were communicating oh during this i forgot but like the homelessness thing and stuff like that
0: Yeah, that's going to be the next episode that we're going to be working on. I mean, I'm in this because I was just born into just extreme poverty and I've felt extreme poverty and I have been close to homelessness myself. Um, And, you know, I, I don't even see it as like an impossibility for the rest of my life. Maybe one day I will be on the streets. Who knows? It's 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 not um it's not impossible for the working class member of society, it's not impossible for an ex serviceman, a veteran to end up on the streets. In fact, it's almost likely in many cases if you consider the the mental health trauma and um the, the, the castation that the society puts on you. You're just thrown away, you are literally nothing to these people, these bourgeois people.
1: So you like fight in their imperialist wars you come home maybe get a medal maybe get like a ceremony and then for the rest of your life you'll be hearing thank you for your service and that's all you're probably going to hear yeah. you're never going to help and and that's why we have such a high veteran suicide rate in the United States
0: yeah my dad was um, in the king's regiment he was a royal guard for Buckingham Palace for the queen it's uh it's actually a true story. That as I was a baby, I was held in the arms by the Queen's mother after she saw me in my pram, and um, she said, "That's a cute baby, can I hold him." And my mum looked at the Queen's mother and said, "No, he's a, he's asleep. <laughs> I don't want him to wake up." But of course, m- me dad basically gave me mom a look as if to say what are you what are you saying this is like the monarch this is the, the queen's mother who you're talking to you absolutely have to obey her so reluctantly she gave her up and you know I was held in the arms by royalty and yet you know I was basically taken from the arms of my mother in a metaphorical sense and then I was given back um for her own personal gratification and then you no know, history goes on me dad um, left left me mother he cheated on my mother he lied that he was going he said he was going to wales but he was actually going to northern ireland to participate in the brutal savage imperialist war colonialist war that is northern ireland and um fighting the ira he's his head is absolutely crazy the last time I saw him, I mean, I didn't really get to see him until I was 18 years old because they separated because, again, like you mentioned, these people are just discarded. Um, the mental health trauma and problems that they get is so overwhelming that they just simply can't. They can't have family relationships uh, for the most part and he's on extremely crazy medication. I don't know what he's on, but the last time I saw him was when he was um, over me. He was strangling me, uh, choking me. If my best friend wasn't there at the time, uh, he very well could have killed me. So... I mean, yeah, that was just some insights yeah, into, some truth <laughs> into again. my life. I just wanted to comment on that and say that that was very relevant when we're talking about PTSD from members of society who participate in the armed forces and imperialist wars, and I it, it affected my life, my family's life, my mum's life, everybody's life that uh, you know, knows me and, and him and everybody around us, so that's just truth. There's a lot more to it, but yeah. Back to the podcast. You know that's of. I mean, it shows what war does, what the conditioning of the military does to these people. It shows that no matter where you are in life, of royalty, even if you're, you may. you may well end up one day on the streets of fucking britain you know what i'm on really but that's the truth
1: Give me a lot of insight i've just like the place in society i've never really been exposed to like my mind is blown situations good of, probably seen it all the time where it's like the person asking for change on the street and the people just try to move to the side yeah and like i want to help those people when i get older definitely um, but for now i just same sort of thing and just walk to the side
0: yeah most definitely uh, i really can't wait to be for that next episode i'm going to be speaking to somebody on on the stateside who has actually organised homeless camps after being homeless herself. Uh, we're talking about homelessness and addiction. So, again, I'm somebody who's been addicted to drugs. Don't do drugs, I'm telling you. I'm warning you, don't do it. I've been addicted, of course, because it's a form of escapism from this world. And, again, if you, <laughs> like I've just told you, I mean, I've suffered extreme I've suffered, like, abuse. I've suffered, like, you know just uh, generally bad life so i've turned to these escapism forms and um, you know i've it's it's damaged my potential to really reach my fullest potential and for for me to do this next episode and bring these discussions out and empathize with with other people and hopefully give power to other people and hopefully inspire myself and to again address these issues the homelessness is a part of a class structured society which's perfectly justified in the, the mind of the bourgeoisie and parliamentarians it's i can't wait for like the just the future of this podcast it's really great speaking to other comrades and talking about again history and talking about the truth and facts so thank you very much for spending your time with me. We are moving on. Is there anything else that you'd like to add on to the podcast before we probably wrap this up?
1: Um, I guess I sort of do Go on. I actually have one sort of, uh, social media. Uh, you can reach me, um, on the, uh, the late stage imperialism discord server. Um, I'm Ren on there and, uh, that's, like, the only sort of real social media that I'll be active on and, like, post my opinion, I guess. Yeah, it was a great thing talking to you th- today. Um, It just sort of, towards the last section, it really uh, opened up my eyes to sort of the stuff that I never really get to see in the States. How, like, it's not just a United States thing, it's a global problem, even though a majority of it is caused by the United States.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, just to really add some Marxist analysis, it's not so much the United States per se because that would include yourself. It's the ruling classes. It's the bourgeoisie of these imperialist nations. But yeah, it was absolute pleasure and privilege to speak to you and spend this time with you. Just to underline what you've just said, these problems are all around the world and this episode has been communicating with comrades talking to comrades and very much open to do this we should all be speaking to our comrades all around the globe it is solidarity it gives us strength um, it, we don't always have comrades to our side who we can speak to about about like capitalism about socialism we can't really do this for the most part so we've got to reach out and communicate wherever we can and give solidarity and support to our comrades. as a whole point in this podcast right now as a whole point in this series
1: we're in a huge global thing right now we're like in the middle Of history basically right now and knows what sort of huge economic changes are going to happen within a few months but we know that it's going to be um the bottom of society that's going to be hit the hardest so research what you can do in your part of the world and see that you can help offer these people who are going to be squashed upon in the coming months help them out like one of the things I did last week was DoorDash has a really uh, interesting thing where they will they have this section at the top that says support local restaurants. So if you're going to order out food, don't order from McDonald's, don't order from KFC, order from local restaurants, help those people out. They're going to be hit the hardest in the coming months. And um, that's all I wanted to say.
0: Awesome. Yeah no I I agree with you there, for the most part these are working class people who somehow manage to scrape together enough spirit and and power to make a business for themselves, you know we we absolutely must support them over giant monopolies who have billions of pounds in stocks and can simply brush this tragedy off like it's nothing, McDonalds can simply close its restaurants for months at a time and still be left with millions or billions of pounds left over so yeah absolutely support your small businesses locally Ren thank you so much you're so wise for for your age I mean I'm sure you're just a a blessing to everybody that you speak to
1: when I start talking about politics at lunch they constantly complain about me talking about politics so i empathize <laughs> i empathize, yeah.
0: I empathize yeah. <laughs> my closest mates even though i'm doing this podcast even though you know i've got this subreddit which clearly people are interested in they try the best to just not listen to it or just turn the other way but <laughs> you know hopefully one day this this gets big enough where they can actually pique their interest and you know me and ryan are going to keep developing theory episodes we've, we've done a theory episode on Bourgeois democracy versus proletarian dictatorship. So that's our first theory episode. We're gonna keep working on like at least one theory episode e- each month. So hopefully one day they'll turn to that and see. Actually, we know what we know what we're talking about. <laughs> we're just simply talking about history. It is very interesting. It's a lot more interesting than some of the, some of the crap that you're gonna watch on TV. So, yeah, I empathise with you completely, keep doing what you're doing, speak to those who you can, it's important to spread class consciousness, focus on yourself, you know, your development's important, I really do hope you get what you want out of life, I really do hope that you focus on yourself, you, again, stay away from drugs and you you develop yourself to become um, a a game engineer, make video games, that's awesome, of course I've played loads of video games, yeah, if it's okay with you, we're about to sign off here. All
1: right, thank you so much uh, for this. Yeah,
0: no, it's a pleasure. Again, we'll we'll get you back on. This has been a kind of spare in the moment kind of thing because of the state of my PC and whatnot. I haven't actually managed to do proper script or proper research. It's usually a lot more structured, but we can get you back on him, you know, Ryan can join us and we can talk about maybe some theory or maybe another historical epoch, w- whatever you'd like anytime so that you brother we can talk to comrades, with that being said, I'm, I'm glad I love you, and leave you, love you. hope you're the best, stay in touch, solidarity.